Cast time. Matt Hofeld flying solo for this episode, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to discuss. Basketball head coaching searches going on at the University of Oklahoma. Lots of changes within the men's basketball program. It's going to be really kind of a brave new world, so to speak, whenever the, all the dust settles in that situation. Oklahoma softball continues just to be absolutely dominant on the softball field. That's where they play softball, right? We got true or false coming up. Rich has got a few questions he sent my way, but we're also going to include some of your true or false questions. We're giving you guys, the listeners, the opportunity to get involved this week. And then spring football, we're going to talk specifically about Oklahoma's offensive line. So let's jump in here and get this going. Two coaching searches underway right now in Norman, Oklahoma. Joe Castiglione tasked with the job of finding both a men and women's basketball coach. The men's is the one that gets all the headlines. That's just the way it goes with college athletics. And it really kind of seems like if you listen to what stadium uh, is putting out there, there are two top prospects, Peter Mosier uh, of Loyola, Chicago, and then Grant McCaslin from North Texas. Now, those are the two top names with Mosier kind of being the guy that's really rumored to take this job. You know, and I, I don't know when, when you look at Chris Beard, leaving Texas Tech to go to Texas. By the way, as as an outsider on that situation, you have to love that move. I, I know as Oklahoma fans, we don't want anything good to ever happen at Texas. But let, let's talk about Texas coaches that have had success before arriving to the 40 acres. You want to go basketball or football first? Because if you go to football, I mean, you got Charlie Strong recently. You got Tom Herman recently. Both of those guys successful at their respective programs before coming to Austin, Texas, and then just kind of tanking it once they get there and having to be fired. Shaka Smart, on the other hand, a lot of, lot of success before he came to Texas. He didn't get fired, but I think the writing was on the wall. He wasn't happy. They weren't happy with him. Um, you know, and it's just, so if you're an Oklahoma fan or an Oklahoma State fan or a Kansas fan or a Baylor fan, if you're on the outside looking in at this situation with the Texas recruiting issue, or with, as far as head coaching goes, recruiting that new guy, you got to love this because what it does is it causes chaos amongst some of the top teams uh, in the Big 12 Conference. Um, look, it, is it going to work out with Chris Beard at Texas? Who knows? It could. It could work out to be a great thing for him. It could work out to be a great thing for the basketball program. But track record says it's most likely not going to work. Track record says expectations are going to be way through the roof and beard didn't do anything to quell any of those expectations in his press conference. I he this dude body in hook, line and sinker to the Texas mantra as we're the best ever. There's never been anyone better in his conference press conference. He's saying, Hey, Winning is the thing. There, There is no year one. There is no asterisk because we're just getting things going. Winning is the goal here, and we're going to do that from day one. All that does is puts more pressure on him, and it takes a special type of person to be able to, to take that pressure and, and let it shape you and let it create something in you that betters your situation. The last coach, the last prominent coach – at Texas, who could actually do that was Mac Brown, who led them to the 2005 Football National Championship. We've not seen it on the football field since, and we've certainly not seen it on the basketball court. So here's why this is a good thing for Oklahoma. It's a good thing for, for two different reasons. Number one, like I said, it's it 
it uh, it quells that. It has that expectation that you just know Texas is setting themselves up for a great fall. And that's just what odds are. Statistics say trends point to the fact that this thing is going to come crashing down. And when it does, it's going to be glorious because Texas Tech fans already didn't didn't like anything about the University of Texas. Like most other programs in the Big 12, nobody likes Texas. And now Texas Tech fans, they hate Chris Beard. They hate Texas. They, they just hate everything about this situation. And when it does come crashing down, I, I mean, look, it's just going to be uh, the dog pile. Everyone's going to be piling on to this situation. And as an Oklahoma fan, you're just kind of sitting back and watching the fireworks, so to speak, right? Now, it is not a guarantee that Chris Baird and Texas are going to come crashing down. It is a likely situation, but not a guarantee. It could lead to success. You just never know. That said, the second reason that this is good for Oklahoma, because there's some pressure there now on Joe Castiglione, who never went after Chris Baird. That was never really something that Oklahoma was pursuing but now that your now that your rival in conference has their coach, you've got to go get yours. And and I, I know I know everyone likes the guy from Loyola Chicago. I don't have a problem with him. If he becomes Oklahoma's next head coach, that's great. I I am higher on him than I am Grant McCaslin, but I would even settle for Grant McCaslin. But I'm sticking to my guns here. I really like Paul Mills. You you can't not watch ORU play this season. You can't not watch them make that run in the tournament. And yeah, they choked it off there at the end. There was a lot of pressure on them. But there's a reason why a 15 seed has never made it to the Elite Eight. There's a reason why. It's all about that pressure. He would never be a 15 seed at the University of Oklahoma. Never have to deal with that pressure. But he's a guy that's in the state. Of course, he just landed an Oklahoma transfer. I, I I like I like him, but when you consider the fact that again Trey Phipps just transferred from Oklahoma to ORU, it kind of puts the writing on the wall that Paul Mills probably isn't coming to coach at the University of Oklahoma. So now that leaves you with Moser and McClasland, and you got to figure out which one of those two you like. For me. I'm okay with Moser. He he's the guy that if 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 we're if we're marking this list, he's that guy. For me, and I know there's a lot of fan favorites out there that are saying, well, wait a minute, what about what about Eduardo Nahara? Here's a guy who's got some professional coaching experience. He's he's a a, a blue-blooded Oklahoma Sooner. He was a a hero, a fan favorite as a player. But you know what? Those don't always work out. And and I, and I said that same thing with Kellen Sampson, Kelvin Sampson, the elder Sampson. He's not coming back to Oklahoma. That's a pipe dream that some fans have. You see the success that Houston is having in the NCAA tournament, and you think, man, what could he do at Oklahoma? Well, we've already seen what he could do at Oklahoma. He took the Sooners to the Final Four. Hollis Price, Kiwanis White, they're, they're his assistant coaches now. Kellen Sampson, his son, an assistant coach now, took Oklahoma to the Final Four. We've seen that. We know he has that kind of potential. But he's not coming back to Oklahoma. It, in some sense of the manner, Joe Castiglione left Kelvin Sampson out to dry. 
And this isn't a matter of whether Joe Castiglione would would offer pardon and open up the, the door and the checkbook for return for Kelvin Sampson. That's not what this is an issue of. This is an issue of would Kelvin Sampson be willing to cash that check and walk through that door having already been left out to dry once. Did Samson mess up at Oklahoma? Absolutely he did. Does Samson have anyone else to blame for his problems at Oklahoma? No, only him. But that said, Samson feels like the program did not stand with him. And because of that, he's not coming to OU. And also because of that, his son's not coming to OU to be the head coach. And I like Eduardo Nahara. How can you not like Eduardo Nahara? But again, Lon Kruger in the last decade elevated this program to beyond the realm of a first-time head coach at the collegiate level. That's that's why Nahara's not coming. That's another reason why Kellen Sampson isn't coming. That's the reason why... Porter Mosier and Grant McCaslin are the two top names right now for this job. What happened after after Kelvin Sampson left? You go with the first-time head coach. He came off the Duke bench, right? He's got all the prestige. He's got everything you need. And it, it, it literally took this basketball program in the tank, literally flushed it down the toilet. And what, what Joe Castiglione learned from that situation is don't put the keys of the Ferrari in the hands of an inexperienced driver. It's just not going to happen. And whoever is the head coach, one thing's for sure, is going to be a new dawn of Oklahoma basketball. This program is not going to look the same next fall and winter and spring as what we just saw. Austin Reeves, he's gone. And and I I was a little bit taken back at some of the hate that Austin Reeves got. If you remember last time Rich and I last week when we were able to talk and we we recorded this podcast, I between Brady Manick and Austin Reeves, if there was one guy who was going to go, it was Austin Reeves. He could be a second round guy. He's gone. Devion Harmon is testing the waters. You know he's got his toe in. And, and you know, you really have to wonder with Harmon, I'd be that Debbie Doubter guy, but if, if he doesn't like what he gets back as far as his draft stock, the combine workout and all that stuff, is he a transfer guy? Is he is he truly done at the University of Oklahoma now that Kruger's gone? You got three players that have hit the portal with Iwakor being the, the latest one. So, I mean, the truth is, whatever, whoever's on the bench, it'll be a new dawn of Oklahoma basketball. And that kind of should be a reason for interest, enthusiasm, and excitement. Should it not? All right, well, we're going to move on. Let's talk some softball, and then I'm excited. It's it's a different format for True or False this week. I, it's, I'm going to be reading the questions instead of... Um, Instead of you, you know, typically Rich or I ask the questions, um, you know, live and in person. But we've got a couple of listener questions that we're going to throw in there. And by the way, great segments for our listener questions as well, particularly when we get into football talk about the offensive line, because the back half of this podcast 
podcast is going to be stacked with offensive line discussions. But we got to talk Oklahoma softball because the Sooners continuing to roll uh, as conference play starts. Now they're they're only they're through one full conference series and they one game into their second conference series. But when you look at these results. When we talked last week about Oklahoma playing Iowa State and then Kansas and then heading out to Wichita State, would they still be perfect on the season? And you never want to put the cart before the horse because anything can happen on any night. But this team does not look to be slowing down. I really thought, I truly thought there was a chance that they could stumble in Ames, Iowa. Iowa State was kind of sneaky good during the non-conference portion of the season. The Cyclones put up some good numbers. Now, they dropped to some of the teams that Oklahoma had beaten that were common opponents. But the Cyclones took the Sooners to the wire in that opening game in Ames. 9-7, Oklahoma with a, with a narrow win, 9-7 to in game one. And then they beat the Cyclones by a combined score of 32-4, to two run rule games in games two and three, coming home with the perfect conference record, 3-0. and And the next up is Kansas Jayhawks to open up conference play in Norman. And uh, it was a ho-hum 14-0 game that lasted about an hour and a half. Ended in five innings. I, I don't, I'd have to go back and look. So just take me at my word here or go look it up yourself. But I'm pretty confident Oklahoma sent more batters to the plate in the first inning than Kansas sent to the plate the entire game. That That's how bad of a beating that was. Sooners scored 14 runs total, eight in the first inning, six in the fourth, shut down the Jayhawks, run rule fashion. Games two and three are coming up. You know, we're recording this on Friday, April 2nd. Good Friday. Happy Easter, by the way, to everybody. Um, and then that game, will, that series will finalize Saturday, April 3rd. But it, it shouldn't be anything other than a sweep. And then that sends the Sooners up to Wichita, Kansas, to play Wichita State. And then you start looking about, okay, now it's going to get interesting, right? Because then the next two series in conference are Baylor and Texas. And, I, again, I don't know that I'm willing to – this team is good. Don't get me wrong, okay? I, I'm not – and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer either. But the Big 12 is better than what it has been in years past. And if Patty Gasso's crew can continue to run through the Big 12 at an undefeated pace, then this is going to be historically, not just in program history, but this is going to be historically one of the best softball teams to ever play on the collegiate level. And they've got one of the best players to ever don the crimson and cream leading them in Jocelyn Allo, who leads the nation in home runs. She leads the nation in RBIs. She leads the nation in batting averages. I mean, there's there's no way when, well, it's April now, at the end of this month, when the top 25 candidates for the National Player of the Year come out, there's zero chance that she's not going to be on that list. And I know that list comes out in no particular order, just 25 names. But if you're if you're like me, if you're a guy who gets to vote on that stuff and, and you're a guy who covers collegiate softball across the board, she's she's got to be near the top, if not at the top. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. If she's not at the top of your list, you're biased in some way. And, and I know that people go, oh, you're biased because you're an OU fan. Yeah, I know. I get that. I, I, I don't deny that. 
But was I wrong when I said that Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in the country? Was I wrong when I said that Kyler Murray was the best quarterback in the country? See, you you can still be an OU fan and be right about what you're saying about the teams that you cover. And I'm telling you right now, as of April 2nd, 2021, Jocelyn Allo is the best player in softball right now, hands down, not even close. So there's your softball fix for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. It only lasted five minutes, so thanks for bearing with me. All right, so we're going to jump in here, uh, true or false, uh, for this segment. And um, and I'm, I'm excited about this because the first three questions are from Rich, and then the back two questions are from some of our listeners. We got them off of Twitter, and so we're going to give them shout-outs as well. But true or false, and uh, we're going to jump into this, and I'm pretty excited. All right, so here we go. Uh, true or false coming up. First three questions are from our man Rich. He's not able to be with us to record today, but uh, we're going to go back to basketball for his first one. Porter Moser is a hot commodity on the basketball circuit right now. True or false, Oklahoma's chances of hiring the coach are set well above 50%, and that is absolutely 100% true based on everything that I just talked about. It's either Mosier or Grant McCaslin at this point. For there to be a third guy, I would love for it to be Paul Mills rehashing things. For there, for there to be a third guy, Mosier and McCaslin are going to have to turn this program down. You look at uh, another thing that we didn't even talk about is the fact that Hartman left. He was Lon Kruger's top bench coach, Coach Hartman. He left to go find um, a job with Lon Kruger's son, at UNLV. He's the one coach that we talked about. If Oklahoma was going to transition this over from one, from Lon Kruger to one of his assistants, coach Hartman would be the guy that that would take place with. Well, that's not even a possibility now because coach Hartman is gone. So that means you look at Grant McCaslin. It means you look at Mosier and Mosier is the name. He's the hot name right now in terms of being connected to Oklahoma. Jokey Siglione can offer so much more money than what Loyola Chicago can offer him. But with money comes pressure. And that's and I, I, that really gets overlooked a lot when you're talking about young coaches or coaches who really enjoy where they are, living in that moment. The, the, the misnomer is that every coach at every institution wants to go up a level. But that's not necessarily the truth. The, the, the assumption is, let's take Lincoln Riley, okay? Because every, every spring, you got the coaching rumors of the NFL. Every year, someone's getting fired in the NFL, and every year, Lincoln Riley's going to be rumored. Why? Because the assumption is he wants to step up to another level. But there, there's something to be said about satisfaction with where you are, and there's something to be said about job security. Lincoln Riley has job security for days. I mean, they, Oklahoma would have to not qualify for a bowl like three years in a row for Lincoln Riley to be in trouble. Raise your hand if you see that happening. No, I didn't see any hands go up. So there's something to be said about satisfaction. There's something to be said about job security. And Porter Moser has that right now. At Loyola, uh, Loyola Chicago, he has job security. At Loyola Chicago, he has satisfaction. I mean, he's taken that program not just to the NCAA tournament, but to make deep runs. Grant McCaslin, same thing at North Texas. 
So when we're talking about bucks, that's what Joe Castiglione is going to offer. I'm going to offer you a lot of money. We're going to back up the truck to your house, so to speak. But with that money comes extra pressure. And with that extra pressure, that security that you have begins to dissipate. That said, I think Moser is right now the guy that that Joe Castiglione has set his sights on and greater than 50% that he will be Oklahoma's next head coach. So I'm going to say that one, Rich, is a true. Here we go. Number two, Rich sends uh, Chandler Morris's father, and that's uh, Chad Morris. Chandler Morris's father took a, a high school coaching position in Allen, Texas. Here's the question. True or false? Oklahoma's recruiting from the powerhouse school will be affected by Lincoln Riley's refusal to release Chandler Morris. Now, you know the drama here. Chandler Morris transfers in conference, wants to play immediately. Gary Patterson needs some quarterbacks. We've already discussed this at length. Lincoln Riley says, no, bylaws are bylaws, and you can't go and have immediate eligibility in conference. So Lincoln Riley is holding up Chandler Morris's immediate eligibility in Fort Worth. And the question Rich is posing here is, is that going to affect Oklahoma's recruiting? I'm going to say no. No, it's not going to affect Oklahoma's recruiting. It's going to be false. This is a false narrative. And here's why. In, in the now, in the moment, Chad Morris needs Lincoln Riley more than Lincoln Riley needs Chad Morris. That's just the truth. And, and I know people are going to scream if you're driving your car and you follow recruiting, you're running off the road and you're yelling at me, this podcast is trash, guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I, granted, in the long run, in the long run, college coaches need high school coaches more than high school coaches need college coaches. In the long run. In the long run, you're going to have that kid on a fence and you're going to have to have a talk with a, with a coach and say, hey, can you swing in my way in the long run? But in the now, in the present, in this moment, I guarantee you any players, any players that Lincoln Riley is recruiting from Allen, Texas, from that particular high school. Now, there's two high schools in Allen, Texas, so be careful when you're looking up recruits. But in this moment, any player that Lincoln Riley is recruiting, Lincoln Riley has a better relationship with that kid. He has a better relationship with that football player. He has a better relationship with those parents than Chad Morris does. You're telling me Chad Morris, who just took this job, suddenly is going to know all these kids well enough that he's going to be able to go to them and have a conversation and say, hey, um, I don't think you should go to Oklahoma. I think it's in your best interest to, to look at Georgia. I think it's in your best interest to look at Iowa State. I think it's in your best interest to look at Texas Tech. You, th- you really think Chad Morris, just fresh on the ground, hasn't even bought a house in Allen, Texas yet. You're telling me he's going to go there and he's going to be able to say to a football player that he doesn't even know yeah, your best option is somewhere other than Norman, Oklahoma. And here's the reason why. And he's going to give some crazy crap reason that doesn't include, well, they, and, and the bottom line, they, don't, they won't let my son play at TCU. Where every kid in America knows the reason Chandler Morris isn't playing at TCU is because Chandler Morris chose to transfer in conference. 
I, it's not going to work. Right now, Chad Morris needs Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley knows those players. And Chad Morris needs victories. He needs them on the field and he needs them on in the recruiting trail. Chad Morris needs his guys to go to the next level and perform high at the next level. So it's not going to, and right now, in this moment, it is not going to affect any player that Oklahoma is recruiting from Allen, Texas. It's just not. And, and besides that, there are a handful of coaches in America that can walk into any high school and immediately talk to a player and get the respect of that player. There's a handful of coaches. Dabble Sweeney can do it. Nick Saban can do it. Lincoln Riley can do it. Uh, This is nothing but pandering and panic. And again, it's, it's what we're in April, right? So we're four months away from having real legitimate football to talk about. So we're trying to get some clicks. We're trying to sell some podcasts. We're trying to just do anything to talk about. But the truth is, this is the big fat false because it's not going to affect it. It's not It's not going to affect it right now in this moment. And a year from now, Chandler Morris is going to be a full participant for TCU. And the best way to lose your team and the best way to lose respect amongst parents is for a high school coach to try to steer players another reason, another direction based off of a personal vendetta. The kids will see right through that. And and the truth is, the final final thing on this, the truth is, in this situation, in this moment, Lincoln Riley has more sway. And next year, Lincoln Riley's track record is going to have more pull for a high school kid than anything Chad Morris can say about being bitter over his son. So that's a big fat nothing burger. Don't worry about that if you're an Oklahoma fan. Um, moving on, here's Richard's last um, last year of false, and then we got two coming in from uh, from listeners. Um, and this is a good one because we're going to start really uh, talking more about Oklahoma and we're going to go with offensive line. But uh, Rich says Chris Murray's future is at the center position and he'll be just as good as Creed Humphrey. Now, <laughs> um, this is interesting uh, because it's a two part. So I, I think I can say true and maybe false or true and a maybe because I do think that his his position at the University of Oklahoma is going to be at center. Right now, according to Coach Bill Biedenboe, Chris Murray, Ian McIver, uh, Robert Congo, he's the guy who transferred um, out of Arizona, and then uh, redshirt freshman Nate Anderson. Those are the four guys who are battling out for the center position. And so that's that's where Chris Murray's position battle is right now. And you've got guys like Andrew Rehm who could jump into that battle, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. He's not. He's playing another position. So where is Chris Murray's future likely at the University of Oklahoma? It's in the middle of the offensive line. Is he going to be as good as Creed Humphrey? Now, that's, that's, that's a tall task that I don't think anybody can truthfully answer. We're, we're talking about a guy in, in Humphrey who, after, as, after a second season, redshirt sophomore, he had the potential to jump in the NFL and be a high draft pick. Not a first rounder, but a second or third rounder after just two seasons of college football. 
That's how good, that's how good he was. But Creed Humphrey's gone, and you got to find a replacement. And Chris Murray, I when you look at that those four names, he certainly leads that pack. And when you look at Chris Murray's bio and his potential, we're talking about a kid who was a freshman All-American at UCLA. And he's already got a year in Bill Biedenbaugh's program. He's already got a year of Benny Wiley and strength and conditioning. Yeah, I, I think the sky's the limit when, when in terms of potential. I can tell you this. when you When you look at four guys, Four guys that are competing to play. Whoever wins that job is going to be the best amongst the group, and they're going to be pretty dang good. Ian McIver, two-year backup. Doesn't mean he's not good. He's been a backup for two years. He's played for two years. He's been in this system for two years. Robert Congo. I mean, go, go look at this guy's film. He's fun. And then Richard Freshman Nate Anderson, he's probably the, the one guy on the outside looking in. And if I had to, <clears throat> excuse me, if I had to handicap this race, I would handicap it just the way it's listed there. Chris Murray, Ian McCarver, Robert Congo, and then Nate Anderson. So yeah, Rich, true that that's where his future is and undecided on if he'll be as good as Creed Humphrey. Almost not really a, a fair a fair question there. Okay, so let's look at some uh, some some listener true or false questions. We got two here. First one from Ryan Murphy. Ryan says this: Hey, uh, Winfrey and and Redmond will have 17 total combined sacks in 2021. Again, we've got a great question here, and we're looking at potential. And and as much as I I love these two guys, I'm gonna have to say this is false. 17 sacks. I mean, that's that's basically we're talking eight and a half sacks each. Okay, if we're going to split it right down the middle, eight and a half sacks each for 2021. And I don't see it happening. Um, Perry on Winfrey is going to be a monster in 2021. He's going to be that that disruptive force in the middle of Oklahoma's off defensive line. He's slimmed down. If you if you look at what they're saying in spring ball, he's slimmed down. He's getting faster. He's getting stronger. He's everything Oklahoma wanted him to be coming out of community college. You know how many sacks Perry and Winfrey had in 2020? I'm, I'm going to give you a second to Google it because I, I guarantee you're going to be like me. You're like, what? Really? He had one half of a sack in 2020. One half of a sack is a long way away from the eight and a half he's going to need to get to 17. Yeah, but Jalen Redman, you know, he's a beast. He could have 10-plus sacks. Absolutely, he could. He could. Jalen Redman has played in 16 games. He's made 16 game appearances for the University of Oklahoma in 2018 and 2019. And in 16 games, he has six and a half sacks for the University of Oklahoma. And all six and a half of those came in 2019. So combined, these two guys have seven total sacks. And then you you look at a guy like Nick Benito. You look at some of the other things that they're going to do coming off the edge. I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I, I, it, I would tell you this. And, and here's the truth. Great question, Ryan. But here's the truth. If these two guys combine for 17 sacks, then Oklahoma truly has the most dominant defensive line. Not just in the Big 12, but in the country. Because two guys that really, I mean, Winfrey's not going to be a guy that's going to be called upon to really rush the quarterback. 
He's he's going to be that guy to occupy blockers so that the guy whose job is to rush the quarterback can get there. So these two guys combined for 17 sacks. It's going to be a dominant defensive line. Dominant defensive line. And I still think they're going to be pretty dominant. I still think they're going to be really good. But I don't see this happening for uh, for these two. Okay, here we go. Last last true or false question coming up. Um, Gonzo Strangelove is going to get us back to talking about the offensive line and basically says this, true or false, the offensive line will return to elite-level performance this season. And again, great question, gets us back on track, and I think it has to be true. Here's why. Look, there's there's one primary factor that Oklahoma football is not dealing with that they were dealing with a year ago at this time, and that is the COVID pandemic. And that that offensive line had such high expectations for 2020, and they weren't terrible. They weren't terrible, but there's there's but they weren't what they were expected to be. And part of that was they missed spring ball. And there's just no other way to say it, but this group was out of shape, particularly on the interior of the offensive line. Out of shape. No other way to do it. No other way to put it. But these guys are working right now. And and the fact that you've got such a, um, what I believe is going to be an extensive position battle, multiple places, I, I think it's going to really drive and push these guys to be better than what they were a year ago, even though the expectations were through the roof a year ago. And so when when you're looking at, you look at this offensive line and you know Creed's gone, right? You, you got to find a way to to replace him. And we've, we've talked about that already. And then you've got a couple of guys that are, that are returning starters. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. You got a couple of guys that are returning starters that they're going to get pushed and, and maybe pushed out of a job. So you got two guys that are gone to the NFL from this line. So that means there's three returning starters and you could have two of the three returning starters pushed out because there's such a deep line of homegrown talent, guys that have been in this program for, for years that are going to push for jobs. Guys like Bray Walker, and then you've got the new guys. We talked about Chris Murray already. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about Wanya Morris. But you got these new guys that are there with with a ton of experience. Robert Congle. These guys have experience playing time, and they came to Oklahoma to better their position. And so they're not just gonna come and just sit here and expect to be given anything. They came because they have the opportunity to compete and to fight. And so you got nine guys, so to speak, more or less, nine guys competing for five starting spots. And just like I said with the center spot, whoever wins that center spot is going to be the best available guy that Bill Biedenboe has. And when you've got four solid dudes that are competing for one job at the center position, you know whoever comes out on top of that is going to be really good. Well, what about Eric Swenson at left tackle? Is he going to get pushed? A lot of people thought it was Anton Harrison that was going to push him. I don't believe it is. Who else is on the chopping block, more or less? Who else's job on this offensive line is not secure? Well, it's everybody 
But there's a couple of names that we're going to talk about to close this out. Okay, so let's break this down. Your returning starters on Oklahoma's offensive line are Eric Swinson, Marquise Hayes, and Tyrese Robinson. Creed Humphrey, Adrian Ely, both gone for NFL glory, right? So you've got three out of five coming back. So therefore, you're already ahead of the game with the majority of your offensive line pushing towards getting better than they were in 2020. And we've already discussed that they were under par in 2020. But now you've got this influx of new talent. You got the holdovers like Bray Walker. You got uh, you got the Christopher Murrays of the world. So who out of these three guys, who's in trouble here? Well, I really think there's two guys. I think there's two guys that 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 are probably going to have to step up their game exponentially to remain in their starting position. And the first one of those guys is at the left tackle position in this Eric Swenson. Because Eric Swenson is being pushed extremely hard in spring ball by Wanya Morris. Now, Wanya Morris is the Tennessee transfer. He's a guy that Bill Beatonbow wanted out of high school, didn't get him out of high school, but he got him now after two years of college. And you, you could literally say the version that Bill Beatonbow landed after two years of college is a better version of Wanya Morris than what Bill Beatonbow recruited out of high school. Because he's already got the experience at the collegiate level. He's already worked on his frame at the collegiate level. He's kind of been tried by fire. And so Bill Beatonbow has a solid player that he can plug and play. Where does Bill Beatonbow want to look at? He wants to look at the left tackle position. And let's be honest. The left side of this offensive line has been a struggle for two years now. Two consecutive seasons, left side of the offensive line, struggle bus. What's the common denominator on that left side of the offensive line? It's, I mean, I hate to say it, it's Eric Swenson. This isn't a Eric Swenson bashing portion of our podcast. Eric Swenson's a good ball player. Eric Swenson's given a lot to the University of Oklahoma. Eric Swenson could probably go start in just about any other program in the Big 12. In fact, I'd be willing to say probably, let's say, seven of the ten programs. He would just go right on campus and be a starter. But is Eric Swenson better than Wanya Morris? That's what Bill Biedenbow has to figure out through spring ball and into the summer. This position battle, when we're talking about Oklahoma's offensive line, this will not be set after spring ball. And you really, I don't think it's a situation where you can look at the spring game coming up and say, well, based off of the spring game, I project these things to happen because the spring game is going to be a lot of mixing and matching with this offensive line. But what we do know is that Wanya Morris has been incredibly, incredibly impressive so far. Here's what Bill Beatonbow said about him just this last week. This is Bill direct quote from Bill Beatonbow. One thing I really like is that he, talking about Wanya Morris, is that he asks a lot of questions. As good as he's played in the past, started, I think, 19 games, started as a true freshman at the place he came from, talking about Tennessee, he's had some success. But he's not resting on what he's done. Everything, how he works, how he approaches it, asks questions. He comes up here and he meets with me on his own. I've been impressed with him so far. If you're a guy looking for a job, 
on a high-profile football team, that's exactly what you want to hear your position coach say about you. And I'm telling you, it's to the point, at, at right now, at this point, spring ball's not even halfway over with yet, but at this point, you talk to the guys who cover this team, you talk to those that are in the know, Wanya Morris is penciled in as the left tackle, the starting left tackle for the University of Oklahoma. So now there's three new starters. All right, so we're talking about we got three coming back. Well, you take one out, you got three new starters. But there's another guy who's in a little bit of trouble based on what I understand. And that's that's Tyrese Robinson. I don't think Tyrese Robinson is going to lose his job at right guard. I think what may end up happening is there's some reshuffling of positions because Andrew Rame, Andrew Rame is working his way into be a star, into being a starter. So much so that they're not even considering him at the center position. Andrew Rame is getting some snaps, but not in live contact drills. Because we, we already talked about the four guys that are in that position battle for the center. Andrew Rame's working on the interior of this line. It's at the guard position. And right now he's working at right guard. Is Andrew Rame good enough to beat out Tyrese Robinson? No, I don't think at this point he is. But is Andrew Rame good enough to push Tyrese Robinson to not start the 2021 season out of shape? Absolutely. He's every bit of that. If the Tyrese Robinson that showed up against Missouri State shows up for game one in 2021, then it's going to be Andrew Rame starting in that position. But when we talked about the things that Oklahoma has going for it, that it didn't have last year, when we're talking about spring ball, they, they missed it. And Andrew Rame was a true freshman. Now he's a redshirt freshman. He had the COVID issue last year. He's back, and he's really making a strong push. So, I mean, look, Bill Beanbow's always been high on him. Uh, again, I'm going to make this a Bill Beanbow power hour, I guess, but here's what he said. He said, you know, Rame is the guy that I thought was going to start at some point last year. Then he had the COVID situation, the contact tracing. He just had a bunch of things that off the field that never really allowed him to gain the consistency to be on the field in a full-time role. So the expectation already was for Andrew Rame to start somewhere on this offensive line last year. Now that he's got a full year into this program, he's getting a full spring practice under his belt. It is not outside the realm of possibility to see Andrew Rame starting somewhere on this offensive line. Outside of the center position, at one of the guards. Is that going to be Tyrese Robinson? I don't know. I don't think it is. Where is it going to be? So you, you you know where you stand in the fact that you got to replace Adrian Ely. You know where you stand in the fact that you got to replace Creed Humphrey. You know where you stand in the fact that Eric Swenson's probably getting replaced. And that leaves Marquise Hayes and Tyrus Robinson as the guys that are in. Right now, if, if you had to start the season, I would say both of those guys. Both of those guys, they got their jobs. But both of those guys are going to be pushed extremely hard. Extremely hard. And it isn't outside of the realm of possibility to see Andrew Rame slide in in one of those 
guard positions. That's it. That's all I know at this point. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Once again, we want to thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you. You can always hit us up on Twitter. Do you agree or disagree with the true or false questions? Uh, you got any questions you want to throw our way? We'd love to try to answer those questions and get them on the podcast. Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter. You can find us every day on the internet covering Oklahoma athletics as well as Oklahoma City Thunder, heartland-sports.com. And if you're just old-fashioned, old-school, you want to send us an email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Happy Easter, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Boomer Sooner.